Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, Action springs not from thought, but from a readiness for responsibility. The ultimate test of a moral society, the kind of world that it leaves to its children. So, what kind of world are we leaving for our children? I mean, what can we say? Are we leaving them a moral society? Pretty scary. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity, and what a joy it is to be speaking today about a gentleman who uh, we get our show's name from. You know, we're very religious here. We're very Christian here, despite the name, uh, because our society isn't. That's kind of why we have the name here. So, you know, Nikki and I do our best to help Christians sort of navigate this world and deal with all the craziness that we see around us. And um, yeah, our world is pretty secular pretty religionless, and that's kind of where we get our name from, and it all springs from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the man of the hour in today's episode. So today we're going to be discussing Dietrich Bonhoeffer's theory of stupidity and just how perfectly um, he described America in the 21st century. (laughs) You know, of course, he was speaking at the time of 1930s and 1940s Germany, um, but it's kind of amazing how truth can almost be prophetic, you know, and just sort of true across all generations. And, you know, maybe Bonhoeffer knew that he was speaking to generations in the future, you know, sort of like the prophets and the apostles, you know, they knew they, were, they weren't just speaking to the men and women of that day, you know, but sort of all generations until the Lord returns them. You know, so today we're not going to have any news. We're not going to have any sort of Bible topic specifically. We're just going to be walking through this video that we have from Sprout Schools, where they're sort of discussing Bonhoeffer's theory of stupidity. Stupidity? Mm-hmm. Is that how you say it? Yeah, that sounded yeah. weird coming out of my mouth. Stupidity. You know, when you say a word um, too much, it sounds weird. <laughs> I've said it a lot today. So we're just going to be walking through that, sort of playing it, stopping it, and just discussing the different points that come up in it. So before we get into all of that, is there anything you would like to say? Just in light of this video, just makes me think we need to pray for our leaders. We need them to be humbled and God-fearing. Just 2 Timothy, or uh, 2, verses 1 and 2 tells us... 1 Timothy. Oh, it's... Oh, sorry. 1 Timothy. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Peaceful life, that's kind of not something we're all able to do these days because we have leaders that 
stir us all up and take the peace away from the people and get us all divided. Yeah, but we definitely need to pray. And it was funny because we talked about this verse the other last week or two weeks ago, I guess, at the jail ministry. And thinking about praying for our leaders, I was like, should we pray Psalm 58 over our leaders? Where David says, oh God, break the teeth in their mouths. Tear out the fangs of the young lions, oh Lord. Let them be like the snail that dissolves into slime. Now, I don't know if that's the prayer we're supposed to be praying over our leaders. A lot of times that's what I feel like I want to pray over them. Uh, But maybe we should be a little more loving and compassionate. But I don't know. Do we think we have a more righteous heart than King David? Was he talking about leaders or just people? Oh, he was talking about God. leaders. Oh, okay. I wasn't. I Ungodly really leaders it. specifically. So, oh. yeah. So we'll pray for our leaders. I may not be at Psalm 58 yet, but I haven't looked at the news in the last 20 minutes. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> um, also, for prayer requests, please pray for a young man named Josiah. He was uh, originally, I guess, on a seven-year jail sentence. Somehow, sort of miraculously, he just got released, and um, he needs some major surgery in his hand. He needs that pretty quickly. Um, But then he also just needs general help getting back up on his feet. From what Mm -hmm. I understand, he comes from a godly home. It's mostly drug usage that's led him astray, so just lift up Josiah in your prayers if you could. Um, Go check out Cardinal um, Contingency Solutions. Want to make sure we give them a plug. Links are in the show notes. Um, they are the people you need to talk to about how to navigate this world full of misinformation, exploiters, um, how to stay on message, how to not get yourself in trouble when you have a, a world full of people that are trying to catch you slipping. Um, Cardinal, they can certainly make sure whether you're a business, a church, um, local government, law enforcement, whatever it happens to be, um, how to kind of stay um, on message, on point, and not be drug into something that you are going to wind up regretting later. So check them out in the show notes. And then as always, we are proud members of the Christian Podcast Community. You'll have links down in the show notes. You can go and subscribe to Christian Podcast Community on any platform. And what's great about that is you can subscribe to one show and you get about 50 to 60 different podcasts that, you know, upload continuously. And it's always good godly messages Mm -hmm. from good godly people. They've always been really good. Always pretty good. So they even let us on there for some (laughs) reason. So thank you for that. But last thing I want to uh, mention um, (laughs) before we dive into our theory of stupidity, um, just kind of a look ahead for the next few weeks. So we're going to be Unless there's something major that breaks out. If something major breaks out, we'll, you know, Pause. deviate from this. But what we're going to be doing, you know, if you've been following the show at all, you know, we've kind of been talking a little bit about how we're leaning into, or as we sort of grow in our faith, we started leaning a little bit more towards this reformed view, sort of Calvinistic view, if you will. Although, to be fair, I don't really know what Calvinism is outside of tulip, predestination, and election. Outside of that, I don't really know. So, but that's where we've kind of been leading. Although I wouldn't say by any means we're Calvinist or anything of that sort. We're Christian. That's what we want to be. We just want to understand God's word it's better. It's more about the sovereignty of God. It's right. the main thing of it. So 
in light of that, we thought, why don't we do, you know, a little bit of due diligence? And I heard somebody on the Christian podcast community mention two books in particular. So we went and picked up those two books. And the way we're going to do it is next week, we are going to be reading and reviewing and sort of talking about against Calvinism. You know, that's sort of the traditional faith background that we came from was sort of more of the non-Calvinistic view of Christianity. Yeah. We never really heard about what it is. We were just taught it was always a dirty word. Yeah. But we never were told why it's bad. What does it mean? So we're going to read that book and we're going to read it honestly. We're not going to be reading it to nitpick it. We're going to be reading it to pick out what really makes sense to us from the against Calvinism perspective. And then the second book we're going to read is for Calvinism. And we're going to do much the same with this book. We're going to take out what makes sense to us, what seems right to us. So that's the next two weeks. And then the third week, we're going to kind of give our review, you know, a little bit of after reading both books, where do we sort of stand, you know, from the faith that we sort of grew up in our whole life or kind of where we're tending to lean more now. And again, just figuring out more, not that this is going to be the be all end all of our faith journey. And you know, these books are going to somehow solidify it hundred percent, but we thought that'd be a fun endeavor. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to do the next three weeks. If you've read the books, we'd like to hear from you. If you're interested in reading the books, I will have affiliate links down in the show notes. You can go check those out. If you do buy them, a small little percentage comes to us. We would certainly appreciate that. So, all righty. That was a big run up just to get to our theory of stupidity. That still sounds weird saying. You got but, it. <laughs> um, this might be a more accurate and trustworthy theory than even Einstein's theory of relativity. And I was curious if you knew what the theory of relativity was. I don't know. I've heard people say everything is relative. So I thought maybe that is. Have the you, theory of relativity. you might have heard the famous equation E equals MC squared. Okay, yeah. That's Einstein's famous theory of relativity. And I think. What does it mean? Who knows what it means? It's something. Well, he has two theories in there there's the theory of general relativity and the theory of special relativity. I don't know oh. what special relativity is, but general, I think, is the way that gravity acts on time, something like that. Who knows? Not that important. <laughs> What is important is the theory of stupidity. So um, this theory from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, it was sort of written about in a letter um, from what I can gather that he sort of sent to a couple of his friends. It was right on about the 10th anniversary of Hitler's chancellorship. So what we're going to do is look at this video here from Sprout Schools, just because it's actually a really good video. And you may have heard us talk about this in the past. We have this, this was one of our sermon recommendations months ago, but man, it really stood out to me watching the January 6th committee hearing. You know, we talked about that when they did the first committee hearing and then sort of after Roe v. Wade and stuff started coming out and I was like, man, that theory of stupidity really makes more and more sense every day. So finally Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, we should talk about this, but you know, just watching the same people on TV that have driven Americans into sort of this state of frenzy and violence to kind of be sitting there again on TV, lecturing us about how we've reacted to Mm -hmm. what they've driven us to. (laughs) 
you know, the same people with their constant lying, constant propagandizing us, um, that ultimately leads to us pushing back against them. And they didn't learn a lesson from it. They don't tone it down at all. They just ramp up the rhetoric and continue to propagandize. And I was like, all right, man, we are living like Bonhoeffer was talking to us and we should discuss this a little more in depth. So that's what we're going to do today. So what we're going to do, just start kind of playing little sections of these clips and then we'll just chime in with our thoughts and then we'll go back to playing more. It's only about a five to six minute video. um, So it's not terribly long, but we may ramble. So bear with us. All right, let's get this thing going. In the darkest chapter of German history, during a time when incited mobs threw stones into the windows of innocent shop owners and women and children were cruelly humiliated in the open, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a young pastor, began to speak publicly against the atrocities that the regime had produced. All right, so that's the first part that we want to talk about there. And while we're not necessarily, you know, equating us in this country to Nazi Germany, um, you know, we're not equating BLM riots and Antifa and, you know, lately the pro-abortion protests or riots to Anta or to Nazi Germany. Um, it's certainly not an apples to apples comparison, but it is the same spirit behind them as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned. You know, it's sort of this authoritarian antichrist sort of spirit of division and anger that sort of underpins both of them. And, mm-hmm. you know, and you can kind of see also the same way that authoritarian governments sort of propagandize people to mobilize them. Uh, much in the same way, really against their own self-interest, the same as it was in Germany. It's the same here. We're being mobilized against our own self-interest. We don't even know that we're working for them, doing their bidding. No, they... It's crazy. Yeah, we're, you know, vehemently fighting against our own better interests. So it's crazy. But, you know, looking at that, it's like we live in a time now where we'll burn down cities that we live in. We'll uh, defund the police departments that protect the cities that we Mm -hmm. live in. You know, we'll have lunatics attack and intimidate people at the behest of these very politicians that hold these fascist views in many sense, these fascist ideologies, all while claiming these protesters are anti-fascist. Like, you know, we'll have large groups of women marching and protesting. They'll go stalk Supreme Court justices. (laughs) <laughs> They'll clash with police, all to defend their right to kill their offspring, you know, all while claiming that all these people are fighting for freedom, defending women's rights. It's really strange. And you convince people that something's being stolen from you. It's just, it's bizarre. And it wasn't even theirs to begin with, like a right. The no, it's anger like, that it produces is just, it's really astonishing. We're the fighting to close the cell door on ourselves. It's really strange. Yes. And I know you may be saying like, ah, well, what about the January 6th? You know, what about those riders and the pro boys and these folks? You know, I would probably disagree with you a little bit on that, but I wouldn't argue about it because I think we're seeing the same thing just from different sides looking at it. Um, And what's interesting is both people um, are seeing that these one group of people are stirring us into a frenzy. Like we're being stirred by the same group of people, but Mm -hmm. rather than realizing we have a common opponent here, 
we spend all of our time rallying for these people that are driving us to insanity and we're fighting each other over it. And I thought, you know, it's crazy. It's stupid. Ultimately, very bizarre. I heard like uh, a story. You've probably seen it. It's I've heard it before. Like, I don't know if it's true. Scientifically, if you put red ants and black ants in a jar together, they won't fight each other. But the person who has the jar shakes it, they all start attacking each other. Oh, I yeah. Thought, oh, that sounds. I've heard very that before. Accurate. It makes very, <laughs> very good sense here. You know, and I think I might have mentioned it before here, and this is just hearsay, so I could be inaccurate, but I remembered hearing stuff as a kid and even as into an adulthood that they were considering the 90s as like a colorblind generation, mm-hmm. us kids who grew up in the 90s. And I would certainly say that's accurate for me and where I grew up in. It was a colorblind generation by and large in, you know, Southern Michigan, you know, a more city area of Michigan. And now here you are, you know, 20, 30 years later removed and it's like they're trying to drag us back. It's crazy. They're shaking our aunt Kate or our aunt house or whatever you call it, ant farm. I don't think our kids think. I think they were like we were. Oh, yeah. Our, I mean, kids aren't racist. Yeah. They're no. just, yeah, they've never said anything that sounded like they were being, like, taught. Though I would argue it. nobody's really racist, except in two <laughs> places, Washington and the media, because they're the only ones stirring up racism. That's true. So, you yeah. know, I think if you just go outside of your house and walk down the street, you know, most of the stuff we probably call racism today really isn't. I would consider it more politicism. I hate your views on things. So there, I'm just going to heckle you and harass you because I don't like that you voted for somebody else. That's really nothing to do with your skin color. But we digress. Let's go back to watch the next section of this clip. After years of trying to change people's minds, Dietrich Bonhoeffer came home one evening and his own father had to tell him that two men were waiting in his room to take him away. In prison, Bonhoeffer began to reflect on how his country of poets and thinkers had turned into a collective of cowards, crooks, and criminals. Yeah, so, you know, while Germany obviously had many great philosophers and thinkers, you know, most notably here for us, we would say probably Martin Luther, uh, but they had a rich Christian heritage, you know, going all the way back. Obviously, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German man, right? But even on the secular side, they had the Friedrich Nietzsche's, Albert Einstein, our theory of relativity. Um, And what I think is fascinating is we, like Germany, come from a proud heritage of thinkers and philosophers, and we've largely turned into cowards, especially on the religious front. I mean, just look at the last two and a half years of where were the religious men of backbone. But, I mean, you go back to our founding with men like Washington and Jefferson and Adams, and then even on the religious side, the Jonathan Edwards of the world. And, I mean, I feel confident you could stack up our greatest thinkers and leaders with anybody throughout world history, and they'd hold their own. They were flawed men, sure, um, but they loved their country. They loved God. Mm-hmm. And just look at where we are today. You know, our leaders in this nation— They're full of people that would just sell this country out. And they really are for their own purposes. Mm -hmm. You know, I think our leaders have traded in the God of the Bible for the God of this world. And I think they serve him slavishly. Mm -hmm. You know, and the only reason that they really aren't labeled as crooks today 
is because they live and play by a different set of rules, much like they did in uh, Hitler's Germany. It's just like the quote we started with, just that leaders today aren't thinking about the good of the, the next generation. How can we make things better for the next generation? You can tell they're only wanting to secure their positions of power. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've completely sold out the next generation for our own gain and comfort. And I actually just saw a video on Twitter and it was labeled, you know, a leftist, whoever, whatever. But this kid, he was like probably a 30 year old and he was like, you know, screaming and cursing, but like screaming about these rich, old, basically liberals. And he's like, quit please retire. Like you're taking all the jobs from us. Go away. How much money do you need? Like we're all here struggling to survive. And we got these 60, 70 year olds that are just hanging on. I mean, look at our Congress. They're all full of 80 year olds, Supreme courts, all like they refuse to let go. Like it's a pride in their soul or something. I don't know what it is, but it's definitely damaging. And you know, the amount of debt that we've rung up for future generations, the amount of I mean, we just talked about the pro-abortion, like we're convincing everybody to go and kill off the next generation just so we can have a better life today. It's crazy. Um, definitely, yeah. definitely uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a, I don't know, he'd be pulling his hair out looking at this generation. So you can definitely see much like Germany, a country of poets and philosophers that turned into crooks and criminals. Yeah, we look much the same in today's America. So let's see what else he has to say on this. Eventually, he concluded that the root of the problem was not malice, but stupidity. In his famous Letters from Prison, Bonhoeffer argued that stupidity is a more dangerous enemy of the good than malice, because while one may protest against evil, it can be exposed and prevented by the use of force. Against stupidity, we are defenseless. Neither protests nor the use of force accomplish anything here. Reasons fall on deaf ears. It's very frustrating. <laughs> yeah, and I think this might be maybe the most profound statement made in the entire video. Um, mm -hmm. And it's one that we can most easily see and relate to in yeah. our lives. You know, and what's really incredible about this is, you know, Bonhoeffer obviously didn't have the internet. I'm pretty sure he didn't even have television. So it's, I think TVs really became commercially available in like the 1940s. Um, so think about what Bonhoeffer would say today with this social media, 24-hour news media culture that we live in, this environment. Man, like I said, pulling his hair out, probably plugging his ears up. Mm. But he says in there, um, reasons fall on deaf ears. And I think this so perfectly sums up, you know, the world that we live in. Because like he says in there, people aren't necessarily malicious. They're stupid. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I don't think he meant it derogatorily. I don't mean it derogatorily, but it's more just factual. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't think in this country anymore, which is incredible given the amount of information we have available at our fingertips. You know, I think, though, that this is kind of part of the reason that we don't think. You know, we don't have to think about anything. We just Google it, right? <laughs> it's just right there for us. But then you add to that, you know, a news media that's sort of all day long, just dumping the problems of the world on us, telling us we need to care about all this. Uh, we need to do something about all of this. 
but of course we can't, right? Because it's too much for anybody. So we're kind of trained to just defect to leaders and experts. And, you know, as long as we trust them and listen to them, they'll just steer us in the right direction, you know? So why bother even thinking when there's an expert who's already done all the thinking, he's done everything for us, and they'll just tell me what I need to know. Right. People do this just in church too, because in the last days, people will heap up teachers, telling them what their itching ears want to hear. And I think this thing where like it's affected every area of our lives, like it's going on in the church. Well, it first probably started out in the world and then the world infected the church and people just, they don't want to think. They don't want to study the Bible for themselves either. They just want people to tell them what it supposedly says. So they feel more justified in their thinking, in their actions in the church and in the world. Well, and this is really what's led us, you know, we talked about these books we're going to be reading and this has kind of led us down that path that like, we want to know for ourselves. It's not that we want to not believe something else. It's like, now I want to know this for myself. I don't want to rest on what someone else has instructed me on. I want to know it for myself. And, um, you know, in this country and in the church, you know, we can obviously tie this to the church very easily. You know, we've just kind of become mindless drones. We know only enough to sort of get ourselves in trouble. And we've really turned into mindless, like mobilized mobs of idiots. Mm-hmm. And it's dangerous. And, you know, I was just thinking like, please leave me down in the comments if you can. When was the last time you tried to reason with somebody and tell me how it went? Did you make a strong case? And they went, my goodness, good sir. I never thought about it that way, but you're right. Of course, that's not how it happened. You know, it's never how it happened. So, you know, they're, we're mobilized mobs of idiots. We just shut our brain off. Um, we have a few people we listen to and the rest of it, you can't reason. It's, it's truly incredible. So uh, let's see what else he has to say on here. Facts that contradict a stupid person's prejudgment simply need not be believed. And when they are irrefutable, they are just pushed aside as inconsequential, as incidental. In all this, the stupid person is self-satisfied and, being easily irritated, becomes dangerous. So, sorry, I let that run just a little bit longer than I wanted to, but, you know, he says in there, facts are pushed aside as inconsequential or incidental. And I thought, man, does this not epitomize the abortion debate? You know, as it currently stands in this country, like, no matter what facts you bring up, what scriptures you show them, Facts simply don't matter. You know, they'll fall back to, you know, if you aren't a woman, you don't get a say. But then even if you point them to a woman that makes the same argument, you know, there's a female on the Supreme Court, right? They don't want to hear it. They'll carry bloody baby dolls to her house. And um, I would contend, again, it's not malice. It's stupidity. Mm -hmm. I mean, truly. Yeah. Stupidity. And... I had a verse up here. Yeah, we got one. That part. Oh. You remember Did what it was? Did they all go down to the bottom? No. I don't know what verse I had for that. But anyways, just um, 
it could have been Hosea, but just how, can you scroll down? I think it's down there. Okay. Yeah, I'll bring it up here though. I thought I was going to, I had it up there. Because it says my, um, Hosea chapter four, verse six says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you rejected knowledge. I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. So these people are rejecting knowledge and they have willfully forgotten the law of God. So this is just a moral issue that leads to this, all this stupidity. No, so. for sure. It's definitely a moral issue, um, mm -hmm. which is even more fascinating. He gets into that down here just a little bit. Um, but this is actually kind of a fascinating idea. And I don't know if anybody's ever studied this. I didn't look into it. I'm sure they have. There's, but how certain ideas get lodged into our brains, sort of regardless of what's presented, you know, the thought or the stance that you kind of cling to becomes unyielding. Um, and look, it's not lost on us, you know, that we are here as believers in God. And, you know, we've probably have the same rigid stances and beliefs or unyielding stances and beliefs. And even in the face, uh, face of what an atheist, you know, might claim as evidence. So it's not lost on us that mm -hmm. we're talking about this. The only thing I would offer up on that is that, of course, we're right and they're wrong. So why should we yield? Of <laughs> right. course. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, we stand on the truth. So yeah, we have to know that we are right because God is right. <laughs> yeah. So they're wrong. Doggone it. But we see this everywhere. You know, we've talked about religion a little bit. You see this in like in Islam. You know, you'll have someone like, hey, go put a suicide vest on and blow yourself up, you know, for God. And they're like, oh, okay. Um, the abortion debate, as we mentioned, you know, BLM, the Second Amendment, even things like climate change, you see this. And it's like all the people that are telling us we need to give up our cars, go take public transit. They're <laughs> flying around the world on private jets. You know, they're telling us every day the sea levels are rising and then they're buying beachfront mansions. Right. You're like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> You know, but it's us, the idiots, right? The stupid ones that'll go and chain ourselves up to a tree while the leaders are cranking the AC down in their 20,000 square foot mansion. And it's illogical. It's just plain <laughs> stupid, right? It's the theory of stupidity. So mm -hmm. it's madness. Um, but let's see what else he has to say on here. All this, the stupid person is self-satisfied and being easily irritated becomes dangerous by going on the attack. For that reason, greater caution is called for when dealing with a stupid person than with a malicious one. If we want to know how to get the better of stupidity, we must seek to understand its nature. Yeah, so, you know, he says when stupid people are refuted, they become dangerous. And, you know, again, this made me think of something like Antifa, you know, they're going out there and they're fighting, you know, the forces of fascism, you know, is what they claim to be doing, right? Anti-fascist. They'll riot, they'll fight cops, they'll kill even, you know, to fight this made-up theory of fascism. And of course, Trump is sort of the head man in the fascist, you know, takeover. But if you bring up the fact that, like, I'm not a fascist, 
I just want my constitutional rights upheld. And the Constitution is really the antithesis of fascism. They're like, no, fascist. You're like, what? You know, if you believe in individual liberty, you're like, I just want my individual liberty. No, fascist. (laughs) What are you talking about, right? It simply doesn't matter. It can't be refuted. Um, Because they're fighting for a just cause in their mind. It's this great war that they're fighting for. Um, They've sort of convinced themselves that it exists. Well, really, they've been convinced that it exists. Mm -hmm. That's this theory of stupidity. They've just sort of clung to this idea that this great war, this great fascist war exists or whatever it happens to be. All these people started realizing something at the same time. Like, no, someone's convinced you. Yeah, you know, <laughs> they think there's fascism around every corner, right? And it doesn't matter what you say, or even if you point out that like, well, hey, maybe the things you're fighting against, the people you're supporting are actually the ones kind of pushing for it. No, not good enough. Like, it's crazy. So again, theory of stupidity. Mm. Um, but let's see what else he has to say on this. This much is certain. Stupidity is, in essence, not an intellectual defect, but a moral one. There are human beings who are remarkably agile intellectually, yet stupid, and others who are intellectually dull, yet anything but stupid. The impression one gains is not so much that stupidity is a congenital defect, but that, under certain circumstances, people are made stupid, or rather, they allow this to happen to them. So this is sort of the crux of this case here. Um, His stupidity, as Bonhoeffer so perfectly describes it, as you mentioned it just earlier with Hosea, it's not an intellectual problem. It's a moral problem. And we've become so morally bankrupt in this country, um, you know, that silly things like right and wrong just don't really matter to us anymore. It's really like we only care about comfort, care about enjoyment, we care Mm -hmm. about status, and we'll do anything. We'll say anything. We'll fight for anything as long as it satisfies our comfort, you know, our wants and our needs. Yeah, we made ourselves our own God. And Proverbs 1 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and it also the beginning of wisdom. So you reject God, you reject his laws, just become stupid, really. (laughs) Yeah, we fear being mocked by our neighbor or that guy that we follow on Twitter. We fear not having the latest and coolest whatever thing that you have. Right. It's all material. It's all worldly comfort sort of things. It's morally bankrupt. Mm -hmm. You know, you go and you say to someone like, oh, don't abort that baby. You know, it's a life that's murder. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I'm just not ready for a baby right now. You know, I kind of have my own thing going. I'm chasing a career. You're like, I know. No, that's morally wrong. It's morally bank. Yeah, Yeah, but I got stuff going on. You know, their their kingdom comes first. Definitely. It's above common sense and Hey, people don't really think rationally at all anymore. And it's, it is so frustrating trying to reason with people. And you think about it and you're like, maybe God has given them over to a depraved mind already. Like, how long can people reject God? You know, they harden their hearts until God seals it that way. And now all they have to look forward to is what we read in, in Hebrews 10.26. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment 
and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. So these people, these people we try to reason with, you know, we tell them the gospel um, and they reject it. So we don't just try reasoning with them on an intellectual level first. You're not going to get to them that way. Like they need the truth of the gospel first. Nobody's going to just all of a sudden come to their senses outside of God. It's like they're so far gone from just reasoning, just common sense. Like it's going to take salvation to well, wake them up. that's why I think it's so important to realize that this is where we find ourselves, that we find ourselves in this stupid society where, again, it's not a derogatory term. It's a mindless mob mentality where, yeah, yeah you can't really go to somebody. I mean, you'll find occasional people, yes, but you can't really go to people and just try to reason with them and make a strong case and, you know, they'll rebut and then you'll counter argument and then you'll both come to an agreement. It doesn't exist. So you got to just, and maybe that should bring about a fearlessness in us that like, I'm just taking the gospel, man. And I'm just going to trust that God is going to move on their heart. Mm -hmm. And if he's not, I'm just moving on. Right. Because the Bible tells us that, you know, go into the towns, preach. And if they don't receive you, Knock the dust off your feet and leave. It doesn't mm -hmm. say hang out there, argue, bicker, you know, buy a house there and never leave. And, you know, it just says give them the gospel. They don't receive yeah. it. Wish them well. He has sheep. And press on. In every tribe, tongue, nation. And we don't know who those sheep are, but we preach the gospel. And those who receive it, those are his sheep. They follow his voice. They believe his words. Yeah. And I was just, you know, this whole idea of stupidity isn't intellectual, it's moral. I was like, man, this sounds like the epitome of the LGBTQ movement. Like when you think about it, because these people aren't stupid intellectually. Um, they're just morally stupid. You yeah, know, if you yeah. watch the documentary that we uh, mentioned, what is a woman? Yeah. You saw a smart person after smart person refuse to acknowledge or declare what a woman was. Um, not because they don't know intellectually, right? They knew intellectually. But they do know. It's just they their inject. own, you know, yeah. moral grounding, right? They don't have any of it. They don't have a moral grounding to make that claim on. But then they'll turn right around during the abortion debate and claim only a woman has a right to speak on abortion. And you're like, okay, then we all can? No. <laughs> right? It just... Right? Because lying is a moral issue. It's not an intellectual issue. And if you have no morals, you'll just say anything whenever it pleases you to get whatever it is you're hoping to get. So very, very good point that he made here. Um, let's see, we have a couple more of these points to go through. People who live in solitude manifest this defect less frequently than individuals in groups. And so it would seem that stupidity is perhaps less a psychological than a sociological problem. Now, this point obviously makes sense to me. Um, obviously, that's why we're playing it here. But um, I do believe that this is why we see this behavior far more on the left you know, side of kind of that political spectrum. Because I think the liberal mindset, people that tend to be liberal, they're collectivist people. And I'm not saying this derogatorily. I think it's just accurate. They're collectivist people. Um, they're much more of the groups, group thing. They're much more like consensus minded. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, whereas a conservative minded person, they're much more individualistic. You know, they're more like, I'm going to do what I want. You do what you want. Just don't bother me about it. Right. 
But I think this is why you see much more of the liberal minded folks that get into academia and they get into the news media and stuff like that, politics, um, because they want to teach you what to think. You know, they want to teach you what to believe because we all need to be in this together, this sort of mentality. Um, that to me is kind of the liberal mindset. So again, like Bonhoeffer says here, it would make sense that if you're an individualist uh, person, you're less likely to fall into this mindless mob sort of mentality. Now, individuals and people like that, they have their own issues to deal with, you know, but this one may not be quite as big of a deal to them. So to me, it just kind of makes sense that if you're kind of left politically or left morally, if you will, on that spectrum, you know, you're much more into that groupthink, social kind of... It is um, kind of like a social pressure to think a certain way. Because I was just thinking on the lines when we talked about um, like high school, junior high kids, everybody's, you know, bisexual and all the other terms. But it's a, it's a social pressure to believe a lie. And oh, it starts yeah. that young. And we it's talked a, about the lady from Hillsdale College that, you know, did the research. It's a social contagion. It's this is spreading basically socially, this LGBTQ huge yeah. influx. It's a, it's a yeah. need to be part of a community yes. kind of a thing and find a place. and Find a, a purpose and an an identity. And this is a lot of these people, they don't have an identity in, in Christ. And so they're trying to find identity and purpose in, in a movement. Yeah. So I definitely think this point makes sense here. Um, all right, let's see what the next point he has is. It becomes apparent that every strong upsurge of power, be it of a political or religious nature, infects a large part of humankind with stupidity, almost as if this is a sociological, psychological law where the power of the one needs the stupidity of the other. Yeah, so, you know, I think this is how you obviously get an Adolf Hitler, you know, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe the left in this country might say this is how you get a Donald Trump. The right might say this is how you get a Barack Obama, um, although, of course, neither one of those two are anywhere comparable to the monster that Adolf Hitler was. Um, but I think these sort of people like Hitler or even Barack Obama, Donald Trump, to a lesser extent, if you want to make that case, they're sort of aware of this ability to kind of manipulate large groups of individuals to sort of do their bidding. I mean, this is obviously a tool that mm -hmm. most politicians have to be good at. Um, and I think that what makes this very dangerous in this country specifically, and at this time specifically, is that we don't just have a person doing this, um, you know, kind of like a single politician. We have entire political sectors, um, think tanks, all these sorts of things. The entire tech industry is sort of doing this, um, kind of aware of this idea of getting people to do your bidding and maybe with the rise of technology and now we have social media and all these different accesses. Um, it's kind of allowed these nefarious actors to really just build on this idea of sort of joining forces. And it just becomes a lot easier to mm -hmm. do, you know, than it even was back in Bonhoeffer's day, mm -hmm. you know, cause you think about how do you get the black lives matter movement, the LGBTQ movement, and the pro-abortion movement to all join forces and push ultimately the same political agenda. Well, it just doesn't make hear sense. Equality, they're all under the banner of equality. Yeah, I mean, That's they've certainly it. 
corralled them under one banner. Um, but yeah. outside of that, like they seem like individual issues to deal with. They don't seem to line up, but you know, it's almost like over time, at least the way I thought about it, like over time, we've kind of learned that, you know, if you can find six individuals or so, and they each build their own little individual mindless mob. And then those six people all sort of fall under the one satanic ruler, if you will. That's way easier than trying to have one satanic ruler like Adolf Hitler do it all himself. That's mm-hmm. a lot of work. And there's very few yeah. of those people. But if you can get yeah. six to ten little individual mobs and then somehow they all just pledge allegiance to one satanic ruler, then... Yeah, you it's just a cult. It's you're just, basically joining together with people you don't necessarily agree with, and you don't even know why. Right, um, and they're harder to take down. Like you can take down one person, but yeah. when they're all dispersed and you don't know who they are, really. Yeah, I mean, especially when you got companies like Google and Facebook and Twitter and these places that, like, I mean, how do you stop them? Yeah, you, know, you can't go out and stop, you know, Jack Dorsey or Mark Zuckerberg. The machine keeps rolling. Yeah. You know, you could kill Hitler and that kind of puts a stop to it. It's not so easy anymore. So definitely dangerous. All right, let's see. We got one, two, two or three more clips here. The process at work here is not that particular human capacities such as intellect suddenly fail. Instead, it seems that under the overwhelming impact of rising power, humans are deprived of their inner independence and, more or less consciously, give up an autonomous position. The fact that the stupid person is often stubborn must not blind us from the fact that he is not independent. In conversation with him, one virtually feels that one is dealing not at all with him as a person, but with slogans, catchwords and the like that have taken possession of him. That is another one that is just like... One of the truest statements that stands out to oh, me. Yeah. That's like, what you feel like. Man, like, was he a time traveler? Like, every person you try to reason with, they, you know exactly what they're going to say. Yeah, I mean, you all know the arguments, and they know the arguments we're going to say, right? Because we're all in this sort of thing together. But, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> he says in there, we must remember that we're not speaking with someone who is independent. Again, mm-hmm. like, this is the mindless mob. And it made me think, like, have you ever met a free thinker? We meet them occasionally. And it's funny because you'll normally think, like, they're either super ditzy or, like, carefree. And you're like, they don't even know what's going on. Or they're kind of like a jerk. And you're like, you're not supposed to say something like that. Like, don't you know? Decorum? Like, they come off weird when you actually bump into a free thinker. At least, you know, that's the way (laughs) it it seemed to me. It is odd because there's just so many people who don't think for themselves you just you're just so used to how people are gonna respond yeah like you're almost as shocks you if they respond truly and naturally you're like that's not what are you doing man like just say the catchphrase i know (laughs) um but yeah this is what we experience 100 percent, and it's spot on um again crazy to think that he kind of grew up in a society without really large-scale social networking or anything of that sort. It was just kind of person-to-person interaction, a newspaper, a radio program, whatever. But, like, he knew this. He saw it in his day-to-day life. And, you know, I think a mistake that we make here is to think that the people that are sort of giving us the news, 
giving us this information when we think that they aren't also part of the mindless mob? Um, Because just think how many times in the last five to 10 years, you know, you've watching the news or reading the paper, whatever, and you're reading and hearing the exact same catchphrases from multiple people Mm -hmm. and multiple news outlets. Yep. Someone's um, over all of those. Yeah, they're getting fed yeah, the same information. They they're the mindless mob, just the same as we are. Um, and that sort of mindless dribble just gets, you know, dripped down from the news media, the politicians, to the newspapers, to the social media, and then ultimately to us, to we're just saying the same thing. You know, I had this on uh, Facebook the other day, and it was like a couple of people during the Roe versus Wade overturning, and, you know, you're trying to mention it, and they would all say, like, well, you wouldn't care about like a 13-year-old that got raped and had a baby. And I was like, why does everybody say a 13-year-old? Why do they bring up that one specific age group? And yeah, because they probably heard it on some news station or mm-hmm. we saw one about like an epicotic pregnancy or epi- ectopic. ectopic pregnancy. And like a couple of different girls had mentioned, you're like, I wonder what news program know, right? they were watching or who they heard of that brought up this one very specific. Because it's a very rare thing people don't hear about that often. I'm like, all of a sudden, everybody knows that word, and it's never been used before. Yeah, you never heard <laughs> it in the abortion debate until like three days ago, and now everyone's talking about ectopic pregnancies. You're like, okay, well, sure. Um, but I think that's a mistake we make, <clears throat> that we assume that the people giving us the information or where we go to get it, that they're sort of coming up with this idea when they're not they're the mindless mob and i had the idea of you know the bible speaks about the blind leading the blind where we live in a society where the stupid are leading the stupid and again not derogatorily just this is how we live we're not thinking we have people who aren't thinking leading people to think that aren't thinking like it's Mm -hmm. it's crazy town um It's crazy down. <laughs> All right, we got another clip to listen to here. He is under a spell, blinded, misused, and is abused in his very being. Having thus become a mindless tool, the stupid person will also be capable of any evil, incapable of seeing that it is evil. Yeah, um, for sure on that. And again, it's almost like well, the story that it made me think of, I thought of kind of the first one. We just heard it recently. Um, there was a young kid that was like beaten to death outside of LeBron James's I Promise School. And, you know, we don't know the motivation necessarily behind it or what the thought process was. But you're like, man, we've been in this country now where you're kind of taught like white people and black people are supposed to be at each other's throats. And now you got like this sort of weird racial incident where someone just goes completely over the top and beats a kid to death. And you're like, did they even realize what they were doing was so like heinous? I mean, it's hard to fathom. Um, But then even just on the national scale and international stage, right? Like think of all the protests we've had over the last two years. And it made me think of kind of the anti-vaccine protests where Something like, hey, I don't want to put certain things into my body. And like, think about all the different videos you saw, more so around the world, but like the police, you know, Australia for one, where they're like beating people and throwing them in, you know, quarantine camps. And then even here, they're like arresting young kids for not wearing a mask at school. And you're like, what are you thinking? And, 
you know, I remember saying at the time, like, thank goodness these people in Australia and stuff aren't told to go and shoot anti-vaxxers because they probably would. Like, it's just, I don't care. I'm told to do something. I'm doing it. Like, I was just thinking as you're talking how um, people who are pushing to get vaccines and trying to say, oh, you're loving your neighbor by going and getting vaccinated. Well, at the same time, we could argue my body, my choice, but you could say that to these women who are thinking about getting an abortion and we could tell them it's loving to not get an abortion. Right. But and then it is your body or choice, but the loving thing would do is to not murder your child. But then they're telling us the loving thing to do is go in and get in a vaccine. It's just. Right. That's the whole point so of the stupidity where reason doesn't matter. Facts don't matter. It's just. Like, is it about love and sacrifice with the vaccine, no. but not with a pregnant woman? Like, she can go through nine, ten months of carrying a baby, but if you go and take that vaccine and it get, it's against your conscience and you have some reaction, that's not nine, ten months of dealing with it. Like, people have lifelong effects from it and regret from that and going against their spiritual convictions, too. Right. You would think in a logical, sane world, you would be like, hey, I want the right to an abortion because it's my body. So therefore, I'm going to allow you the right to not take a vaccine if you don't want. That would make sense to me. And the same thing, well, I wouldn't say it's the same thing the other way. Vaccine and abortion are absolutely not the same thing. But you would think- According to their argument, that's That would make sense. And it doesn't, right? Because it's illogical, it's stupid, and we live in a world where we just aren't thinking. Um, we just have a position that we're told to have, and that's what we do. You know, we are unyielding in that position. So, whatever is good for society, they say, the good of society. Yeah. And I, you know, I kind of had the <laughs> same thought, you know, when we were talking about the January 6th committee. And even if you're like, well, what about, you know, even here, well, what about police brutality in the black community? You're talking about anti vax proteins well, what, or protests. What about Black Lives Matter? Again, I, we would probably disagree, me and you, on some of the facts, but I wouldn't argue it because, again, I think we're seeing sort of the same thing where we're seeing some injustice, either perceived or real, whatever, but, like, we're taking action in the wrong way. We're focused on the wrong aspect of what's happening here rather than, hey, man, who's telling the cops that they got to come and do, pass all these laws and enforce all these laws and restrict everything that I'm doing in my life? Like, who's doing that? Well, it's not the cop. They aren't passing laws on you, right? They're just enforcing what they're told to enforce. Mm -hmm. So again, I think we would disagree on the facts, but we might be in sort of some agreement if we actually used our brains and thought about why are we both talking about this same sort of incident from different angles, right? So mm -hmm. um, all right, we have one last clip here. Only an act of liberation not instruction can overcome stupidity. Here, we must come to terms with the fact that in most cases, a genuine internal liberation becomes possible only when external liberation has preceded it. Yep. So, well, liberation, um, basically he's saying internal is preceded by external liberation. Yeah. Um, that's certainly what he saw and experienced in Germany. You know, he needed someone to come in and root out this Nazi regime in order for people to sort of be shooken from this doldrum of whatever sort of 
satanic fog was over their mind, you know? And I think maybe this is why I feel like the January 6th committee or the, not the committee, but the January 6th incident isn't necessarily the same as some of these other things like, you know, that we talked about LGBTQ movement, BLM and all this sort of stuff. Um, Cause I feel like external liberation may be needed here in this country, something to shake us awake a little bit. Um, and if it, you say, well, it's not now, maybe, but it's soon, I would feel like. Um, and again, January 6th might not have been the right, right way to go about this. You know, I certainly don't advocate for violence or anything like that here. Um, and everyone probably has their own thoughts and feelings on how that all went down. But I mean, even our founders understood that, you know, we may ultimately have to liberate our own selves from our own government, you know? the Declaration of Independence, they write this. And while they were talking at the time of the British Empire, the crown, it was still, if you read it, very easily understood that like, hey, this may also be the case in our own country where our own government becomes um, destructive to these ends of liberty. And we may need to shake up our own sort of governmental system here, right? Um, Because Everyone can sense it. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. You just sense it in a different way. But we're all sort of being ripped and torn in a thousand different pieces in a thousand different directions. But we need to realize that it's on purpose and it's for a purpose, which I think is we're, we're not getting that. You know, we're all realizing what's happening around us, but we're not connecting the dots that like this is happening for a reason and it's happening by people on purpose. So who is that and how do we get our arms around it, essentially, I think is the problem that we're finding ourselves in. And obviously here on this show, you know, we would say if you want to get out of the mess that we're in, um, you know, it's not going to be because of the people that got us into the mess in the first place. They aren't going to figure it out. First off, they can't figure it out. And secondly, they don't want to figure it out because we're proceeding down the path they want us to be on. Um, so we have to find our own way out. And that really starts by finding truth. We've got to figure out how to get rerooted in the truth. Um, kind of learn how, relearn, I guess, in the sense of how to discern truth from lies. Cause it seems like we're losing that ability. Yeah. Um, and we here would remind everyone that God is truth. Um, God's word is true. If you go to uh, the book of Romans, Paul says, let God be true and every man a liar. Like that's got to be our right. starting point. We have so many lies that people believe, like the younger generation, especially like they're being brought up in lies. So even if you tear down the system, like how do you help this generation? Because they're going to rise up and they already are got it in them to take over like everybody's like they've already created the next generation to take over you take down the system but it's like a constant battle that we're gonna have to keep tearing it down because they've made a bunch of clone thinkers right and they're being learned and or taught and they they're learning how to take over and lead in this system and in this style of sort of no holes barred truth doesn't matter just get what you can while you can sort of environment. So yeah, I mean, it's an uphill battle. And that's, again, 
you have to understand and start from the point that this is a spiritual battle. Yes. Spiritual warfare is what's needed. You know, that may eventually spill into something physical. Heaven forbid. We need to pray against that. We need to pray for peace. Right. Because you can't but, lock up people for believing, you know, in, a, in something that's just confusion, like their gender or... No. But and I mean, people should be like, we know abortion is murder, but nobody's getting locked up for that murder. It's no, because then got... again, too, like they're almost victims themselves. Right, right. You because have to they're be the being victim. taught and led down this path that what they're doing is actually somehow freedom. And again, we're all accountable for our own sins. You know, us just the same as somebody who gets an abortion. We're both accountable, but at the same time, they're a victim as well. You know, so it's, it's, a tough hill, I don't but know. I it's think... like saying that Eve was a victim because the serpent, because she believed the lie. Like people know the truth. I don't think they're victims. I think they are victims because psychological warfare is real. Um, it's real, and you know, governments and militaries around the world use it. Unless well, I guess Propaganda if they didn't know the truth real. first. Well, no. I mean, indoctrination. I mean, this is why they have things like the Stockholm syndrome and stuff, where people that are kidnapped and held as prisoners of war and hostages, they well, somehow yeah. come around to feeling sympathetic for their captors. And right, they're like, right. well, well, because propaganda works. And again, we're all guilty of our own sins, but it doesn't mean that we aren't led into some of those sins um, or helped along in some of those sins. So I think people know what sin is. Um, so you're not, I don't think they're victims in, um, just being in sin because the truth will set them free. Well, I mean, they're not talking spiritually. They're not a blameless victim for sure. Like you can't just, you're not going to get to heaven and be like, well, CNN told me. Right. And that's kind of what I'm thinking here. I'm like, they're not. No, but they're, they're guilty of their own sins, but it's in a sense of they're still being victimized and they're still being preyed on. Yes, they should know the truth. Yes, they should be striving to know the truth at all. But like, you know, I don't know. I guess it's like if somebody robbed you and took everything you owned, but then you went and like robbed somebody else to get money to buy food. You're like, I get that you were in a very precarious situation. You still can't rob and kill somebody to get money for yourself, right? right? Like you're still guilty of that, though you were helped along down that path. So, right. Um. No, it's definitely, it's a bad spot, but I think it has to start, at least for us, you know, and again, we're talking to Christians by and large. We have to realize that we're in a spiritual war. It's going to take spiritual warfare to get us out of this. And that starts with, in a lot of sense, making sure that our religion is more important than our politics, because I think that is something we've lost in this country. And you saw it in Nazi Germany, right? This once proud Christian nation. They did away with all that heritage and just attached themselves to this Nazi government that was going to lead them into the promised land. Not all of them, but enough of them. And we see that here. People are way more prone and way quicker to put all their hopes or fears in a politician than they are to open their Bible and get down on their knees and cry out to God or even band together as a church brothers and sisters and say, hey, man, we're going to go help these people. And it's way more. We're just... Who's the next politician I can elect? And oh boy, once 2022 comes around and the Republicans get in, what are they going to do? Like, I mean, 
We've had Republicans in the government for hundreds of years. Here we are. <laughs> like, what is the hope, right? Um, right. We've got to stop putting all of our chips in that basket. Doesn't mean we give up on our life. It doesn't mean we stop being citizens. But man, spiritual warfare is what's needed and it needs to start now. So um, do you have any last thoughts on this video, this theory of stupidity, anything like that? Um, nah. I mean, I could say more. <laughs> no, I would just, you know, I had a bunch of notes that I wrote earlier that was kind of a rant that I won't get into, but I just... I'm more convinced every day that the Bible is true and accurate, that it is the word of God, just from simply looking around the world, um, you know, seeing what's happening. And I'm not even that smart, you know, but, you know, the Bible tells us that all of creation speaks to a creator and maybe even the insanity of the creation speaks to the sameness of a creator, right? You don't realize insanity unless you also realize sanity. Insanity mm -hmm. has to have sanity to balance it, right? So just looking at the craziness of the world makes you realize there's probably somebody who isn't crazy. <laughs> and that's why I feel so like out of place. That's here. why you feel out of place. Yeah, because we're longing for a place for that heaven. makes sense. <laughs> like we long for a place we haven't seen yet. And you don't have that longing if there's no God. No. And again, that's why it's spiritual warfare. And we have to realize we're not going on an intellectual battlefield with these people. It's a spiritual battlefield. And I just had the thought that like, we couldn't write the Bible today. <laughs> no way. Like <laughs> Nobody could take credit for that, like their own. But even for the, all the people that talk about it, like we couldn't even write a new constitution today. We're not smart enough as people. We don't have a smart enough group of people to do that. And this is, one of the reasons, there's a lot of reasons to know the Bible is true, but this is one of the reasons to know why it was divinely inspired. 21st century Americans are a proof that the Bible is inspired by God. Like we literally, our Bible is written by first century fishermen who have a better understanding of how the world operates and how to live and experience in it properly than we do with mm. all the world's wisdom at our fingertips. Mm. It's insane. Like you could take all the smartest people in the world and stick them in a room, lock them in there, and they couldn't come up with something as profound as scripture or even something as profound right. and eternal as our constitution even, which isn't even as profound and eternal as scripture. It's, it wouldn't, it could never happen. <laughs> so that's my ending here. Um, pray, get on your knees, pray, recommit yourself to prayer and study of God's word. Like, Ezra said, set his, uh, sets his heart to the study of the law of the Lord. We need to set our hearts to that as well. And yeah. just realize the times we find ourselves in. Reason doesn't exist. Intellectual battlefields don't exist. This is spiritual warfare, and we need to get engaged in it. Um, we can't be afraid of it. So we don't have any sermon recommendations for you this week. We're just going to recommend you give another listen to the theory of stupidity. and. Um, yeah, go open your Bible up. But that is all we got for you guys. We'll be back on Monday with our daily devotionals and then coming back next Saturday, sort of starting our um, look at being against Calvinism. And if you haven't checked out our previous videos, I, we just reviewed The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, episode 15. 
It was very good. We highly recommend you listen to it. Listen to our review. So all we got, God bless. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.